with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verses 18 through 15. The book of Ephesians chapter number 5. We'll begin reading in verse 8 through verse 15. When you get there, you can say amen. amen. Hallelujah. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things are exposed, are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, this is our foundational text. See then that you walk circumspectly, or in modern day terms, that would be wisely, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Everybody say, redeem the time. Because the days are evil. Pray with me. Father, I thank you this morning. All of you and none of me. Father God, these people have come this morning not to be entertained, but to receive a word from the Lord that will help to catapult them into their destiny. I pray this morning that as I preach this morning, that you, by the Holy Ghost, will inspire the words that come out of my mouth. And that every heart will find encouragement and be built up and strengthened in the grace of God. Father, I thank you for the great things you're doing in the life of our young church, this family. Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning, and this really has been burning in my my spirit. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I had an opportunity to go to an appreciation service for a dear pastor friend of mine. And um, one of the, the guest speaker there was speaking, and he spoke about the moment. And ever since I heard that word, uh, that, that sermon, I have been thinking about the moment. And how do you know that there are times and seasons in your life that are defining points? If I could ask each and every one of you, can you think of some moment of time whereby it changed your life forever? It could have been a bad moment. It could have been a good moment. But there was a, there was a moment, every one of you, you can think back in your life. You can say, okay, when this thing happened to me, my life was changed. Something changed in my life. All of us have those defining moments. I like uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. I think he's one of the best speakers or orators I've ever heard on the planet. That's just my opinion. You don't have to feel that way. But I remember when he was sharing his testimony, because how many know anybody here from West Virginia? Okay, good. I won't offend nobody. But that's not a whole lot happening in West Virginia, all right? And Bishop T.D. Jakes is, you know, known as one of the, I mean, he's, his church is about 30,000 plus. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's an incredible gift. Uh, but he came out of West Virginia when nobody knew him. And he said that I heard him one day giving a testimony. He said, you know, 
I was uh, preaching in West Virginia. I had a small church. Nobody really knew me. A couple of people heard me preach and invited me to preach at the church. The church that he was invited to preach at, uh, Paul Crouch was there. Now, if you know who Paul Crouch is, he's the president of TBN, uh, Trinity Broadcast Network. And Paul Crouch happened to hear T.D. Jake preach, and he says, I got to get him over to my studios. We're going to put him on TV. He was saying, well, what if I just had one of those moments that I just got, I, had a, I didn't feel like preaching that day, that I just, for whatever reason, didn't go. He recognized that there was something, and he was living with a spirit of expectation that something great can happen in my life. And so he went, and when he went, that was the key and defining moment of his ministry. He will tell you that today, that that moment of time right there was a key moment for him. And his ministry has taken off. You have key moments and things that happen in your life. You have opportunities. The scripture just says, here we just read, says to redeem the time. That really, if you translate that, it means make the most out of every opportunity. You're going to be, you're going to have opportunities to make a difference. Let me tell you something about opportunities. You ever hear this, the phrase, the people say opportunity comes around, you know, ever so often. Some people say once. I believe God, by God's grace, he's going to give us a lot of opportunities. Thank God for his grace because we missed some of those opportunities. But the Bible says that we are to make the most out of every opportunity that we have. Because you never know if that one opportunity, if that one thing could be your most defining moment that will catapult you into your destiny. You never know. That's why the Bible says do everything you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. You do what you do not because of me or because of somebody else. You do what you do because you know that you serve a God who is really in control of your life. And I know that God can promote me and do marvelous things in my life. And so here's what I do. Every opportunity I get, I do, I do my best because you know why? Because I don't know if that opportunity may be the opportunity. Well, you know, I, I don't want to clean toilets. Oh, I don't want to hook up with that person. I even know that sometimes God will hook you up with people you don't even like. He will hook you up with people because, you know, God is bigger than you. <laughs> and God knows what's inside of you. God, you know, God will use a person, a circumstance to push you into your destiny. And you're thinking, I don't want to do it that way. I, God, I got another plan. I, you know, God, I envision you doing it this way. And, and God said, no, this is an opportunity. This is, one, this, this is of me. You need to do this. Reminds me of the story. Of, uh, of Naaman, how uh, Naaman in the Bible, he was a captain of the Syrian army. Uh, he had leprosy. Anybody know anything about leprosy? Uh, it's a bad disease. It, it, it's, it's contagious. You, you're in bad shape. You got leprosy, you know, you, you, there's no hope for you. That's the, that's the way they used to look at it, other than the miraculous healing of God. And this king had leprosy. Uh, uh, I, I believe his name was Nahum. Uh, Nahum and uh, he said, uh, I probably got that wrong, but you'll We'll get it later. But he, um, he had leprosy, and, and he sent somebody to the prophet. The prophet said, okay, uh, Naban, you, what you need to do is you need to go dump your head in the dirty, stinky Jordan River seven times. He said, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a king of an army. You want me to go and put my head, and this was the man of God talking to him. The man of God said, this is how you're going to get healed. He said, no, no. And here's what he says. He says, I thought that you would come to me. 
and that you will wave your hand and you will just heal me. But you want me to go get in some dirty, stinking water. Oh, no, 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 I ain't doing that. And then somebody had to talk some sense into him. And he said, well, look, you know, you're going to stay with this leprosy. If the man of God tell you, go do it. You better go do it. You know, he'd go and he'd dip his head in that, that dirty water and he'd get cured of his leprosy. Now, he could have stayed where he was and, and said that, you know, I'm not going to do it. And, you know, because sometimes God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Is, is anybody home? Tell you love some folk you don't want to love. <laughs> Tell you to forgive some people you don't really want to forgive. But if you don't do it, here's the thing. If you don't do it, you perhaps will miss on the very thing that God wants to use to take you to the next level. To give you that job. To give you that promotion that you've been praying, you've been believing God for. God says, okay, you want it? Here's how I want you to do it. You remember, that was the problem they had with Jesus, right? They had that problem with Jesus, you know. Uh, you know, Messiah, I thought you were going to come down and you're going to come and just, you know, just demolish everybody and raise up the kingdom like right away. I thought you would come like in kingly garments. I didn't think you would come like in a dirty stinking manger. And, and fact, Jesus, I mean, you used to kind of, we used to play with you out on the street. And you, who are you talking about? You're the son of God. Where do you get that from? And the scripture says they stumble at that. Because they thought that Jesus would come a whole nother way. And, 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 but in reality, they didn't understand who he was. And Jesus said, you missed your moment. You, you did not recognize how that God would take a moment and God would take people and God would take circumstances to push you into your destiny. Let me tell you something. And you got to learn how to discern the seasons of your life. There are moments in time when God moves. When God stirs things and God makes things happen and you have the opportunity to either seize it or you can draw back and keep talking about how you wish you can go to the next level. Or how I wish things were different for me. So you make the most out of every opportunity. Do me a favor and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 16, if you will. You know, I did it again, but that's okay. You know, every week I stand up here, I say, you know, I have my notes, but I just go all over the place. Is that okay? Amen. You know, you know, you prepare, but you know, it's God is the one that preaches. How, you know, you know what I'm saying? He's the one that's in control. But, but listen to this. Now, many of you know about King. You know the story about David, how he ascended to the throne. Many of you have seen and read of that story. Samuel was a prophet of God. The Bible says Samuel was so anointed that none of his words fell to the ground. In other words, whenever Samuel said something, that boy had an anointing on him, brother, that when he spoke, uh, you know, it was going to happen. I don't know too many prophets that pre prophesy like that today. I don't know too many prophets whose words sometimes don't fall to the ground. But Samuel was one of those. Samuel had anointed Saul to be the king. Saul was the first king of all of Israel. And, uh, and Saul had a series of times when he was basically rebelling against the clear commands of God. And in fact, God told, God, told, God told Samuel, he said, Samuel, guess what? I'm taking the kingdom away from Saul. I, I can't trust him. Every time I ask Saul to do what I want him to do, Saul does totally the opposite. I'm taking the kingdom away. Now, Samuel had a heart for Saul. He loved Saul. 
I mean, he, he was anointed. Perhaps he felt part responsible because he laid hands on Saul. There were big dreams that we had for King Saul. But God said, I'm taking it away from you. Now, look what happens in verse 16, in chapter 16, verse number one. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, watch this. Now, I want you all to follow me. I'm going somewhere with this. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horns with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Now, some of you, sometimes, perhaps you're experiencing a time when you're kind of stuck in a moment. One of the things that you can always realize, you know, when you're getting old, I tell you, when you know you're getting old, when everything else everybody's doing, it ain't like it used to be. You know, I remember when music was really music. What they're doing today is not really music. You know, that generation said that about the previous generation. And it goes on, you know, you know you're getting old. Well, I didn't used to do it that way. I mean, it, it used to be, they, it ain't like that no more. I mean, no, you, got, you can't be stuck in the past. Some of you have made decisions. You've made some choices in your life, and you are still stuck, worried about, well, where is brother soda? Where is my husband? Where is my wife? Where is this? Where is that? They've gone over their life, and you're still stuck in the past. I mean, no, you can't seize the moment that's before you if you're stuck in what used to be. I mean, hey, you know, it's good if you had a great experience in the past. Good. Hallelujah. But you know what? The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. See, the Bible talks about that, behold, God says, I will do a new thing. Shall it not spring forth? I don't know about you, but I'm wanting something. There, there's a freshness about serving God. And you will never, ever reach your destiny if you stay stuck in the past talking about what it was, what it used to be. Because how I many know it will debilitate you? I was talking to a person one time who lost her husband six years ago. But if you talk to them, they just lost them yesterday. And because of that, they cannot seize their moment because they're stuck in that. Oh, I'm missing. I, 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 listen, I know sometimes things happen in your life that, that may discourage you and upset you. But let me tell you something. It's life. Talk to me, somebody. Say amen. Let me know you're there. I feel like I'm all by myself up here. The more you talk back to me, the better I preach. If you sit down and look at me, I don't preach that good. So if you want to hear a good word, talk to me. Amen. See, thank you. You, you, cannot, you cannot seize your moment if you're stuck in the past. you got, you got to reach forward. See, I've determined in my life I'm not going to work. I'm not going to sit back and talk about what people did to me. Well, such and such hurt me. Well, such and such did that to me. Or oh, they did. Okay, good. But that's life. Get over it. See, I want a spirit in this church. We just walk around and say, get over it. Get over it. Because it's life. People are going to let you down. People are going to disappoint you. You're going to have all that stuff happen to you. But if you're going to be what God wants you to be, you've got to be able to step out of that and into this, my future. You've got to be able to do that. Samuel was crying over, oh, and God came to, God came to, to, to Samuel and said, now he's a prophet, anointed man of God. 
God said, how long are you going to stay there and you're going to cry over Saul? I've already dealt with that. I've rejected him. I've, I got a new king now. What are you doing? I got work for you. Will you please get up and go anoint Jesse the son? I got a son over there of Jesse, the son of Jesse. I got a new king. I got somebody else in mind. Get over this. Because I can't, you can't get to where God wants you to go until you get over some things. And I don't know about you, but I intend to live my life with an expectancy. Something great is going to happen. That my best days are ahead of me. My best days are not behind me. My best days are ahead of me. Do you hear me? Do you believe that? What if I told you that your most profound moment, perhaps you may be thinking, well, my best days, is, no, no. I'm going to tell you, if you still got breath in your body, but let me tell you something. Watch out. God sent me to tell you this morning that your best days are ahead of you. Now, what if I told you, without a shadow of a doubt, and I'm saying it, that yes, you got your, your, your most profound moment, the moment that you are waiting for is right ahead of you. How would you live your life? See, when you fall, you'll get right back up. You know why? Because I know my best days are ahead of me. I'm not going to walk with my head hung down because I know that something good is going to happen in my life. And if you're not living that way, then you are missing out. If, if you believe that your best days are ahead of you, let me tell you something. There ain't no time when you walk with your head hung down. You've got to walk like this with a sense of expectancy that something good is going to happen. You know, that's the wonderful thing I love about Jesus. That you never know where you're going to end up. <laughs> you never know how he's going to bless you. I mean, the amazing thing is that he will call us by his grace and he will give us gifts and, and he will use us. And, 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 then, and then he just blesses us in ways and give us opportunities time and time again. And how many of you would say, I don't deserve God's grace? I, I, you know, none of us deserve it. But he just decided to bless you. Why? Because he loves you. Well, why? Because he just loves you. Why? Because he loves you like that. I don't know why. Just accept it. Don't try to get a big dissertation about why God decided to bless you. Accept the blessing. Look at the name and say, just accept it. Accept the blessing. Don't be trying. Listen, when God bless you, don't be trying to justify. I've seen people who get blessed, they feel guilty about God blessing them. They got to try to justify. Well, look, I, you know what? Hey, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I've done some stuff, but it is what it is. I got to a point. I don't apologize. Why? Hey, brother, I'm just favored that way. See, I want to teach a message on favor. Good God Almighty, that'll get you fired up. Favor. See, favor has to do with nothing that you deserve. It's just God just decided to bless you. He just decided. God just said, I'm just going to bless. The day is your day. You wake up and God said, the day is your day. You're going to get blessed today. The day is your day. And you're thinking, well, what did I do today, God? I, mean, I had a bad day. You know, I cussed out a couple of people. I didn't respond right, God. You're talking about the day is my day. Because his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, there's a new opportunity. There's a new opportunity for God to show himself strong. Look at Philippians chapter number three, if you will. I just alluded to this a second ago, but I want you to see this with your own precious eyes. Apostle Paul talking to the Philippians church. Look at verse number 12. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Look at this. Now, now, before I read this, here's what I want you to understand. The Apostle Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. Apostle Paul is responsible for many of us being here today. 
God used him to go preach to the Gentiles. So anybody, I'm not a Jew. So the, the apostle Paul was a minister to the Gentiles. That's you and me, non-Jews. That was his mission. Apostle Paul, we would say, was the best apostle ever in terms of the growth and how he laid a foundation for the church. I mean, we read his letters in the book of the New Testament. So you and I would think that the apostle Paul had it all together. The apostle Paul, brother, there was a strong brother, apostle Paul, right? Well, watch this. This ought to give you some encouragement. Paul said it this way in verse number 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Well, hold on. Paul, first of all, he's telling you, I ain't perfect. Uh, you know, I, I haven't gotten there yet. I, I, I know I got some. How many know you got some issues you're still dealing with? I got an amen that time. Hallelujah. <laughs> Paul says, not that I've already attained or I am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do. Now, let me start right there for a second. You got to understand this about Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, before he got saved, he was killing. He was consenting to the death of Christians. He was overseeing the death of believers. He would go and lock them up. Paul said he persecuted the church. Paul called himself. Pastor Garrett didn't call him that. Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Now, brother, think about that. You ain't just a sinner. If you're a chief of sinner, that means you're bad. <laughs> Literally. Paul said that I am the chief of sinners. So Paul had a history that wasn't too good, a past, I'm sorry, that wasn't a good past in terms of how he dealt with the church. But now he's being called to minister to the very people that he persecuted. And there was a lot of people looking at him saying, how are you going to stand up here and try to preach to me after you did what you did the other day to believers? And now you're talking about you had an encounter with God and you want to preach to me? That's how some of the people back in that day were doing. It was like, Paul, you, you, what's up? But watch what Paul said. Look at verse 13. He said, brethren, I did not count myself to have apprehended. He said, look, I know I haven't got to where God wants me to be, but, 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 but this one thing I do, forget those things which are behind. Come on. And reach forward to the things which are behind. Which are ahead. Watch him. He said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Jesus. Paul says, listen. I've missed the mark. I've made some mistakes. But he said, but, but, but you know what? In all of that, this one very thing I do, and you know what? It's a lesson for everybody in here. He says, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to the things which are before. Because I guarantee if you stay stuck in the past, you'll be blinded to your future. You hold on. To, that's why it's a bad thing to hold on to unforgiveness. That's why it's a bad thing to, to walk around hating and not liking. You know, I'm free. I can get around anybody. I'm free as a bird. I refuse to have you have me jacked up. I'm not telling you, I mean, your attitude ain't going to affect my attitude. I've done that. I ain't, I ain't doing that. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, I'm pressing on. One thing, Paul said, one thing I've learned. I don't know nothing else, but I'm telling you this. I know I got to forget what I did back there because, see, that will bother me if I let it hold me. See, it harassed me for what I did to other believers. So I got to let that go. Some of you done some stuff and the Holy Spirit will tell you, let it go. You're still holding on to it. You got to let it go. If you're going to seize your moment, you got to let it go. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, let it go. Tell him again with authority, let it go. Don't hold on to that, whatever it is, that hate, that unforgiveness. 
That bad choice that you made. Anybody ever made a bad choice? Oh, I, I, I couldn't believe I did that. What was wrong with me? Okay, beat yourself up for about a good second and get on with it. Because you can't seize your moment until you put it behind you. You, you, got, you got to do the Paul says, it's this one thing I do. He says, I, I put all that behind it. I put all that behind me. I can't worry about that. There's a book called Chasing Daylight. I recommend you read it. It's by Erwin McManus. It's a wonderful book. Listen to what he says. He says, when you keep traveling backwards, it tears away at your soul. Studying history can be a powerful tool for launching into the future, but living in the past is an enemy of the future. Living in the past. Yesterday's bread, old manna. I don't want no old manna. God got some good. I mean, I'm telling you, Every day I walk around, I, walk, I get up out of the bed, and every Sunday, you know, there are some Sundays I come in here, boy, it's hard. You know, sometimes you come in, you study, you study, you study, and two, three people come to church. You're like, Lord, what's up? I said, Lord, you know, I'm getting up out of the bed because I believe that at any moment I'm going to walk in here and this place is going to just explode and they'll be hanging outside the doors. I believe that every Sunday I get up. I believe that we're going to touch this city. I don't believe we're just going to sit here and look cute. I love cute people. Y'all look good sitting there. But you look better out there, bringing some people in here, into the kingdom. Are you with me? Y'all look nice. Don't get me wrong. The pastor said, no, you look good. But take your good-looking self out there and bring in some other good-looking people. We want to reach the nations for Jesus. Come on. Now, what are some hindrances to seizing your moment? Now, this is big. What are some hindrances? Number one, fear. Fear. Anybody ever had to wrestle with fear? <laughs> you know God's telling you to do something. And uh, whether it's to start a business, whether it's to... Go to a person and resolve a conflict. Well, whether it's to whatever you, you name it, pursue a job, whatever the case might be. There are those times in your life where fear will come knocking on your door because I mean, no fear freezes you. Because if you let fear stop you, see, we need courageous people in the kingdom. People that's willing to step up. You know, I, you know, I, I went through periods of time in my life when I was so afraid to step into what God wanted me to do. And a lot of times, you know why we're afraid? Because, can I be honest? We love ourselves too much. You love ourselves too much. But you know what? When you get to a point you really don't care what people think, you just want to do what he tells you to do, I'm free as a bird. You remember? But, but yeah. Look at, look at, real quick, I got a few minutes. Look at 1 uh, Corinthians uh, chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. Um, did anybody here know that the Apostle Paul was, uh, was scared to speak? You never thought that, did you? Watch this. That's why I like the Bible. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, please read your Bible. <laughs> now smile when you say it. Don't say it mean to him. Because you like you're trying to accuse them of not reading that Bible or something. You know, everybody in here loves the word. Hallelujah. 
Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And our brethren, this is Paul talking. When I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. I didn't come trying to impress you with big words or of the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Watch this. I was with you in what? Weakness in what? Fear and in what? Trembling. Boy, when I first read that, that freed me up. But Apostle Paul was nervous. What? You kidding me? Apostle Paul? Paul said, I mean, I'm reading it, right? I did he said, I was even fear, trembling. I was all that. But he said, but my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but of the power of God. You know what Paul did? Paul said, you know what? I'm a little bit shaky. I'm a little bit fearful. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. Because this is a moment. You remember the story of David and Goliath. You know David and Goliath. Everybody, all the rest of the army scared of Goliath. Goliath was like 10 feet tall. Dude was massive. He come out, the whole armies are running. And David, he went out there to address and see how his brothers were doing. And, and, and when David shows up, you know, he hears Goliath talking trash. Anybody ever had somebody talk smack to him? Goliath talking smack. But who, who want to challenge me? Where are your boys at? Bring them on. Who, who out here want to fight? All of them running. David shows up. He just happened to be on the scene. And David said, whoa, 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 whoa. What's up with this dude? Taunting the armies of God. What's up with, no, no, I'm going to take this brother on. Now, everybody else, including King Saul, they were all scared. They were scared to confront the giant. Have you ever been afraid to confront a giant? See, your giant can come in many forms. You know, I'm here to Kick the giant away today. The giant is going to get stepped on today. David said, the scripture says that David, when he saw Goliath, he said, you know, Goliath said to me, I'm, I'm going to chop your head off. I'm taking you out. And he said, you're like a little 16-year-old kid, a little boy. You come up here, you come up here. With, and David picked up a stone, a little slingshot. True story. And Goliath said, now Goliath, he, he was like a modern day. He was, he, was, he was loaded. He was carrying some stuff. He had his hammer. He had his stuff, I'm telling you. And he said, this boy come to me with like a little bow and arrow, a little sling, a couple of rocks. What are you going to do with me with that? And David said, today, he said, see, you come with sword and spears, but I come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of my God. Is what he said back in those days. And he said, today, I'm going to chop your head off and feed you to the birds. He'd take that little stone. And the scripture says that David didn't just walk up there like this and say, Okay. <laughs> now, if you got to do that, do it. <laughs> Sometimes you got to go, <sighs> but just go ahead and do it. It's okay. Because that's when you're going to get your deliverance and your breakthrough. But David didn't do that. The Bible, you read the account, David went running toward the giant. All these other adult men were hiding. The scripture said that David hurried toward him, hit him in the head, knocked him out, walked over there, chopped his head off. And guess what happened? David feed, fed his head to the birds. But let me tell you what happened with that. Do you know that that was a defining moment in David's life? That after that moment, the Bible says that the women and everybody else, they were saying, David, Saul killed his thousands, but David slain 10,000. And that's when Saul got upset. But you know, let me tell you something. That moment defined David forever. He became the king because he stood up to the giant. In other words, let me put it this way. 
He seized the moment. He saw an opportunity. He says, you know, see, there's a difference. Some folks, the attitude of a winner. See, the attitude of a winner sees something and they think, boy, I can really do some great things with that. I mean, this could be the turning point in my life. This is awesome. But a negative person look at it and say, I don't know. Maybe I think it's a possibility. I don't know. They just look at the negative and think about all the bad things that can happen. Can I say to you, God didn't call you to live like that. That's right. But see, a person of faith who got a, a person, I, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, you, know you got this uh, positive speaking. To, I'm talking about faith speaking. Faith. Faith. See, God want people, see, God made us to be people of faith. That you look at a situation and when you look at it, you automatically jump to, I can win. You look at that, you say, but if I do this, look at all the things that are going to happen. This is my moment of time. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to seize my moment. I'm not going to stay back. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk in doubt. I'm not going to walk in unbelief. I'm going to seize my moment of opportunity. Young people, let me tell you something. Yes, I'll tell you something. You got, you got a whole lot of moments. Don't mess them up. Don't squander your moments. Seize your moments to do something great for God. The, the second point, and this is only four of these. Actually, I'm just going to do three. The third point <laughs> that can hinder you from seizing your, your moment that God has for you is hanging with the wrong people. <sighs> can I say something that will save you a lot of headache, a lot of heartache? You know, as a pastor, one of the problems that we struggle with, or one of the things we struggle with is we think we're supposed to save everybody. See, as a pastor or a person in ministry, you want to, you want to get along with everybody. You know, you want to get along with everybody. I mean, I try for years, but I try to love people, and I try to do this. And, and you know, and it dawned on me one day, some folk you can't, you can't mess with. Now, that don't sound right right off the door. You think, whoa, that's not holy, pastor. But listen, some people are toxic. Some people you need to love from afar, 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 afar. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Praise the Lord, 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 Lord. Because, you know, some people will just pull you down. Some folk, you just, I mean, some of you, God got some wonderful things for you to do, but there are people in your life that the devil has planted in your life to be a distraction from you getting to your destiny. You got some folks in your life, you need to think about it, that maybe I need not to be hanging with. You can love them. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you and all that in the bag of chips. And, you know, great. But I can't run with you like that. I don't run with everybody. I can't save everybody. But I know, if, you know, if you're going to seize your moment, there are some people you just got to say, yeah, I see you. And, and do it with a big smile and then love them with it and you do it. Say goodbye in Jesus' name. I love you. Now, that may not make sense to you right now, but come back and check within a couple of years. You know what I'm talking about. The Bible says bad companies corrupt good morals. So there are some folks that are just toxic. They'll just weigh you down. I mean, you ever meet people? You know, I, I, I was at, uh, at, at work. I got this one lady. She don't go to this church so I can talk about her in a good way. You don't know her, so nobody get offended, right? And every time I see her, man, it's just like a big dump truck. And as soon as I see her, I say, oh, I'm ducking and running. Because every time I see her, the world is falling down. I'm like, oh, you're just killing me. You're killing me. You're ki- every time. I mean, do you ever have anything good to say? Sometimes. 
some good got to be happening every now and then. Uh, uh, you know, uh, life just bad. You know, I don't know. And this did that to me. And, and just things just terrible. And people don't love me no more. And people don't look at I know. I'm like, oh, gosh. Now, I can deal with it. And if some of y'all don't get me wrong. Now, if you all come to me like that, I'm going to be like, good. I'm going to love you and help you out. But after like the sixth, seventh time, I'm going to say, look, you need to get over this. You need to be delivered. We're going to get this all, and we're going to splash you. <laughs> and we're going to dump this all over you, brother, sister, and you're going to be free. Because, you know, I mean, no, you, you know, there's some poke of dump, and you'll, you'll know it. you got some people right now, you think about it, maybe you can love them, you can be nice to them, but you can't run with them because they'll pull you from your destiny. They, they're, they're distraction. They're hindrance. They want you to do stuff that you know is ungodly, that you know is veering you off the pathway. You need to get rid of those people in a nice way. Love her from afar. Now, I did not, not say, say this with me. I love everybody. Because Jesus loves everybody. But even Jesus, Jesus. lets some people go. <laughs> All right, let me remind you. One time Jesus, he says, um, he says to uh, so a bunch of people follow him, he says, okay, okay, everybody listen up, listen up. Drink my blood and eat my flesh. That's what he said. It's scriptural. And some of them say, this brother, he crazy. Now, he was talking spiritual terms. But he said it. He didn't even try to qualify it, right? He could have qualified it by saying, well, what I really mean, and he told the disciple that. But to all the other people, the Bible said the men of them walked away. He said, I don't want to have nothing to do with him. He's talking about cannibalism stuff. He, he, you know, Jesus said that because he knew what was in him. He knew what was in the heart. And so he said, eat my blood, drink my flesh. And then they said, we out of here. But then the ones who was really following, they said, where would we go? You have the words of life. And then he explained to them what, what he meant by that. He was talking in spiritual terms. Because some folks hang around and they, got, they don't have your good interests at heart. And you need to be discerning because you have things to do for God. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. And you can't be latching on to any and everybody. Now, that's a word for somebody. Lastly, get your expectation up. Start expecting something good. Today, something good is going to happen today. Live like that. Every day you're like, okay, something's good. I had a bad day. Something good is going to happen to me today. He's on the throne. Every day is a new day. Start expecting God to move. Start expecting God always operate in an atmosphere of faith. If you're living your life and you're just constantly with your head hung down, you have no expectation. When the opportunity do come, you never seize the moment. Because you're, you're so depressed and you're so down on yourself, you can't even see what God, God is saying. Look, 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 look. And you just, oh, you don't even see it. Seize your moment. Every head is bowed. Every eyes closed.